right, guys, welcome back to the Be Fit podcast. I am your host, Connor Murphy, here joined with the most infamous producer, Peter Hurley. He's behind, you know, he's behind the scenes. Uh, today's topic is going to be tales from the tour bus. You know, frequently as a trainer from other trainers, people will reach out about what is it like training on the road. So there's a lot of training content that's involved. And then pretty much everyone else outside of the training world is more so concerned about what's really going on on the tour bus. Now, full disclosure, I haven't been on a tour that's like a Motley Crue type tour where it's just absolutely insane. In fact, I think the reason why I go on these tours or why I'm invited or hired for these is to try to avoid that. However, there's some some good stories that kind of weave in between those, uh, the fitness and training and then the, the what you would think tour life is. So we're going to dive into that. A couple of things. One, just got this Marshall Milko hat today, which I just learned that this camouflage is actually their patent. They have a patent on this camouflage. So that's kind of cool. Uh, and then I've got my Frogman sweater on for the Boston Frogman swim, June 18th. If you want to sign up, I need nine more people to sign up so we can get a team of 20 people rocking for the swim. So if you're interested in it, hit me up, uh, bostonfrogmanswim.com or... Uh, they have an Instagram and all that stuff as well. But anyways, let's get into it. Fitness-related stories from the road. One of my favorites, and this is really because it exposed some people that had never done CrossFit before, is we were on the last leg of a tour in 2018 to 2019, I believe. And I was with Dylan Francis, and then he was co-headlining with Alice in Wonderland. And Allison didn't train at all. I don't really have any stories from her, but lots of good stuff from Dylan. Now, at the later part of this tour, we were at Stage AE, which is a music venue in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, one of the most underrated cities. I actually really, really liked Pittsburgh and traveling around and, and checking that area out, but really cool. It was the open workout. So it was the first open workout that that was announced. So 19.1, I believe, was as many rounds as possible in 15 minutes, 19 calories in the rower, and then 19 wall balls. If you don't know what a wall ball is, 20-pound medicine ball for a gentleman, 14-pound for ladies. Hold it in your front rack position. You squat all the way down, full range of motion squat, and then throw it to a 10-foot target. Now, typically, if it's just the workout, you can find somewhere around 10 feet that you you can use for a target. But since it was the open, everything has to be calculated. Everything has to be, you know, Measurable, observable, repeatable, and and literally measurable in this. So in the venue, we had to find a tape measure and and find a pillar that we had available, you know, had 10 feet of availability, and we taped a line at the 10-foot mark. So as, as, you know, I think Mike was the first one, uh, Mike Finn was the first one who hopped on the workout and crushed it. We kind of like, like, you know, I helped him through it, but you also have to have a judge for it. And was just destroyed afterwards. You know, something about the open workouts that you're just going to push a little bit harder. And then we had a few guys that had never done CrossFit before. And two guys who were, I mean, particularly fit looking, you know, typical bodybuilding, bigger upper bodies. And they both wanted to try it. One of them was a good friend of mine uh, from San Diego. His name is Chris Smith. The other one, I forget this guy's name. Um, And I'll tell you kind of why later. But Uh, you know, so Chris does it and we're really working on like depth, uh, of the squad and and making sure that it's, 
it's appropriate there, but you know, workout completely destroys him. And then another guy who is friends with someone else from the tour comes along and you know, he's, he's crushing the workout. He's probably 10 minutes into the workout and is just absolutely dying. And then like, you know, puts up a pretty good score. And about two minutes after the workout, he, I think he went outside to grab some air or whatever. And then, uh, no one saw him again for like five hours. I don't know. I don't know if he just went to his car and he laid down in his car or what the deal was. It was, I remember it being pretty cold. It might've even been snowing in Pittsburgh, but no one saw him. People were messaging him and texting him. And I was, I was actually afraid that I might have had my first person that I've put through a workout die. Um, he didn't die. He ended up showing back up later, probably was sore for quite some time. But what was interesting about that is that we were watching the show at front of house and, you know, this is a, a sold out packed venue. And I turned around and there was that pillar and there was that yellow kind of like gaff tape, like reflective tape that was still measured at, at 10 feet up in the venue. And I was like, I wonder how long that's going to stay there for the next year. The next time that I was able to go back to stage AE was actually 2022. And I went back there and the, the tape target was no longer up there, but it's like makeshift. A lot of the stuff that you, that you would normally have at a gym, you kind of have to work around. There's been some times with, with Dylan that we've trained in these like old school theaters that are, you know, they have like the stadium seating and then, and then rows that go all the way up the top. So we get creative in there. We have our equipment, you know, we had, uh, rowers, we had, you know, dumbbells, barbells, plates, medicine balls, boxes, you know, everything that you really need to get fit, but you want to get creative, not doing the same thing over and over. So we would do like venue runs where you'd have to run and then go up the stairs and then run around and come back down. And it was just interesting because they were, these were empty venues when people are setting up the stage and all the production team. And then later on, you would see it just completely full, just people just partying and, and being absolute animals and being like, Oh, we worked out over there. But there was some, there were some fun times, you know, each venue kind of brought something different. Sometimes we'd be outside. Sometimes it was inside again, using something to do. Uh, I think we did burpee over a railing at one point in time that was in maybe Missouri, which brings up another story, which is not involving the fitness side, but yeah, so we did like burpee and there was a railing where you could either go under or over. And I think we were hopping over it. I think particularly because when we were in Nashville, we all got custom cowboy hats. And so we just tried to do a lot of cowboy things for a while. But yeah, in Missouri, we were, you do a burpee and then I hop over the railing onto the other side. Just creative, probably dangerous. I don't know if it's worth it, but a pretty good time. Another story about Missouri. And this is when I was on tour with Dylan and Young Gravy. And Missouri was a great show. Nothing too crazy. There was a really cool CrossFit affiliate that was in uh, Missouri. Or Missouri? No, Kansas City. Sorry. Kansas City's in Missouri. All right. All right. I'm an idiot. Uh, like fact checked Hurley's like, yeah, 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 you're onto it. Uh, so in Kansas city and we, you know, there's a really cool gym that I was training at and then I would just train Dylan when we got to the venue. So we were ready to take off to the next city, which I think was St. Louis, which is on the other side of Missouri. And, and everyone, everyone is in bed. And like this, this tour was, you know, no one was really drinking, not no one, but Dylan wasn't drinking the tour manager, the assistant tour manager, myself, Anyone who's really involved in the training side wasn't partying. We were all kind of involved with training, but the rest of the crew and that, that, you know, if they wanted to have a couple of drinks after the show, like, you know, everything was fine, but it wasn't like a crazy party bus. 
So the production, the lighting, all of those guys are, are breaking down the show, putting it on the production truck before they go on the bus and we take off. But it's late. You know, the show probably ended. It was a weekday night, so it may have ended at like 1 a.m. And so I'm in my underwear in my rack. You know, Dylan's on the other side, Ollie and then Anthony. And, and a couple of the guys were still awake. And I'm just laying in there, and, and I'm hearing just like on the side of the bus. Like I can't really, I don't really think too much of it. Are people like like trying to get, you know, in underneath? And then Anthony comes up and he's like, "Hey, Connor, someone's outside just pounding on the bus." And I was like, "Yeah, here we go." So I popped out, you know, in my little undies, go to go outside the bus and see what's going on here. Like someone's just you know trying to be a punk, and and I go outside and it's just, I mean seemingly normal looking dude it is like zero degrees outside and he's just like double fist pounding on the bus and I'm like hey man what are you what are you doing like and he's like in tears and he like like comes over towards me and I was like he's like my girlfriend's on that bus and I was like whoa whoa bud and like no one is on this bus and you can't keep pounding on the bus he's like no man like she went backstage. I don't know where she is. And, and she's on that bus. I know she is. And I was like, no, she's probably on that bus pointing over to, um, young gravy's bus. Cause they would, they would throw parties after, um, you know, after shows and people would go back and hang out on there. But I just felt bad for the guy. Cause at that point in time, it wasn't like, Hey, this idiot's, you know, I'm going to go like, you know, give him the old razzle dazzle and then wait for the cops to come. I was like, Hey man, like I get it but stop hitting this bus. And then the venue security came out and they had kind of like chatted with him. And I never did find out what happened there, but man, felt bad for that guy. But that was like, that was one of like the action days. It's like, oh, Connor, we need you to hop into action. I was coming out there to get ready, but um, no. Rough life on the road. Speaking of, on the same tour, there was a guy who and he's probably not going to listen to this, but he was, he was probably the, he would win like the Lindsay Lohan award of the tour. Now he was the guy who would like miss morning calls cause he was, he'd be out drinking or, or, you know, just the kind of the back and forth stuff, just like the young stuff that I'm sure we've all done before, just maybe not at that level, but he had the smelliest feet you could ever imagine. And I know you like right now, your, your head mind goes to someone you know with really smelly feet. And I'm telling you right now, it didn't even hold a proverbial candle to this guy's feet. And he was always one of the last ones on the bus. And at this point in time, you know, so you have your, your bus. Ours was not a star coach. Ours was because Dylan's a nice person. And so ours, you'd have one, two, three, four, five, six. So 12 racks on the side and then kind of like a lounge in the back. And then a little hangout area in the front where there's a kitchen and everything else. And so everyone just kind of hang out and guy's name was Slater. And he, uh, I don't know if it was actual name or just what people called him, but I mean, I always got along with him. I thought he was a a super nice guy. However, he would take his shoes off to get into his rack, which was, I believe above mine. And it was like, people were waking up. Like we would go down just Febreze spray to a point where he was no longer allowed to bring his boots on. He had to keep them in the, the storage bay underneath the bus because it was that bad. You think, all right, you have, I don't think we had 
12 people. I think we had 10 people that were on the bus. And that's usually about six that kind of hang out there. And then the other guys are usually in the venue working. Like they get out, they sleep on the bus. They're the first ones up in the morning to start setting up the next venue. And I mean, you, you have to have, like there's just bus etiquette. You know, you're not leaving your stuff all around. Usually it's like you can put your stuff in your bunk or there's like junk bunk where everyone else keeps their backpacks, their bags and stuff. But it's like, don't, you know, keep your crap all over the place. And you'd know, you know, I'd, I'd usually be, as we're you know coming into a, a city, I'd be the first one up. I'd be making coffees and, and there'd just be like, like crumbs or chips. You always knew if some of the guys were like drinking the night before and there'd be like stuff everywhere. But, you know, Ollie, who is Dylan's tour manager, both tours I've done were Ollie and then Mike were, were both not afraid to put people in their place. But as people woke up, as opposed to being like, Hey, make sure you clean up after yourself. And like, or like send like a passive aggressive text to the group chat for the bus. It's like, Hey, clean this shit up before you go out. Like, this isn't your bus. This isn't like make people uncomfortable. But so both of those guys ran a pretty tight shit, but I can imagine how if there was not a lot of bus etiquette, it wouldn't work well. Another thing, bus etiquette, don't poop on the bus. Just don't do it. And if you, if you know that ahead of time, you can, you know, schedule, you know, when you can. And obviously there's like emergency situations, but if you can imagine how this guy's feet stunk up the entire bus. Like if you had an issue in the bathroom, not optimal. And so that was kind of one of the rules. I think Diablo pooped on the bus one time. Diablo was, a, was an artist who was touring with us. Nicest kid. He worked out with us a couple of times. His rider was fantastic. So a rider is essentially what you have in your green room to eat and drink for the show. And you can change your rider up, but for the most part, people have the same riders. They go across. Each venue provides it. He had like a giant bag of Skittles and a bottle of Grey Goose was his rider. And after shows sometimes uh, in, uh, actually in St. Louis, I think he went and just went to a bowling alley by himself and ate hot dogs. And he came back. He's like, you wouldn't believe this. Like they were like a dollar hot dogs. We were like, yeah, man, that's, you know, I guess if you live in LA and you kind of live in that like lifestyle, you don't know that, yeah, there's some bowling alleys that have $1 hot dogs, probably pretty good. But yeah, he for sure pooped on the bus one time and it was, it was not ideal. It was not optimal. Also, some things on the bus that I didn't know. Uh, don't drink the tap water because they put coolant in it or, oh, they put something in it. And I learned that. I learned that after a bunch of, a bunch of tours. I actually learned that when I was on tour with Lauv. And the bus driver was like, you can't drink that. Well, maybe it was Nayar. It was like, you cannot drink that water. Like, it's like bad for you. I'm like, oh, Okay realizing that I've probably had 40 gallons of that consumed in my lifetime. But there's only a certain amount of water that you have. So on a bus, and then you have to refill the water. So the goal isn't to like use all of it. We always have venues that you're there that have showers in them. So it's like shower at the venue, do laundry at the venue, or if there's hotels, if there's ever a stop where you didn't have a show. So coming back, we had to stop in Jackson, Mississippi. And you, know, you get a hotel room there, you can shower, do whatever. And sometimes they also, if there's not a shower at the venue, they'll have like a kind of an elephant door room where if any of the production or any of the team needs to shower, they can go to the hotel, shower, come back, bring back the key. But Jackson, Mississippi, not a lot going on there. I think Anthony and I went to get coffees in the morning. We walked a mile and a half, 
didn't see a single person. This is downtown. Imagine your downtown area. If you live in Boston, imagine walking from the Atlantic office to the corner of, of Seaport and Atlantic, just in Seaport, walking through the financial district to the TD Garden and not seeing one person. This was on a weekday. So it's like a, this was like a Monday. And we went to the coffee shop and there was a person who was sitting watching cartoons. We're like, oh, you know, at least there's a person there. And we went to the front and that person who was sitting on the couch watching cartoons gets up and gets behind the desk. Like, or, or behind the, you know, the kiosk. It's like, what can I help you with today? And we kind of looked around. It's like, oh, we have, we have no food. Or you pretty much just have coffee. You're like, okay, what kind? They're like, I just have it from the trip. You're like, uh, I'll have one of those then. Um, I'm sure there's some good stuff going on in Jackson, Mississippi, but uh, I'm also sure that there's not a lot of good stuff that's going on there. But some of the good things about it and kind of going back to being a trainer and being on tour there is you can kind of control everything. And, and this is a really good nutrition piece. And it was actually something that I was listening to earlier when they talk about, would you brush your teeth as consistently if your toothbrush and toothpaste wasn't sitting there in your bathroom, readily accessible? And I think the answer to that is obviously no. There would be a couple more steps that you'd have to go through in order to get it. It probably wouldn't happen as often. However, I mean, and that's just an obvious thing. Maybe some people will do it just as much, but one time less, two times less. It's similar when it comes to food. If you just have crappy food laying around all the time or no food, you're not going to make, or you're, you're, the likelihood of you making that healthier option isn't going to happen. And I think that's why when I was training on tour, we saw so much success outside of just the headlining artist with other people who were on tour and people that I didn't even necessarily work with or speak with. It was just that on the, on the bus, yeah, sure. There were some foods that, that came and went that weren't ideal, but when I was in charge of the ordering and I was in charge with specifics for catering, cause you can't always have healthy food cause you're catering to all the people that work for the venues too, all the stage hands that are putting everything together. But when I have control of it to make sure that it's something that my artist and the tour managers and production managers that I'm working with can eat, there's just healthier options there. But on the tour bus, there's just a lot of fruit, a lot of not as bad snacks. And there's people who I didn't even speak with that reached out afterwards being like, hey, I lost 10 pounds on that tour because normally I was eating, you know, X, Y, Z, and this is just what was readily available. So if, you know, a cup of fruit is readily available rather than, you know, a bunch of sugary snacks or fruit snacks or any of that, then people are able to eat that. And that's a healthier option. And because it is there, you know, it's not that people necessarily want to make the bad decision or the, the less optimal decision. I want to avoid the good and bad. It's not that people necessarily want to make the less than optimal decision. It's just that it's easier to make unless you have that stuff that's present and it's ready and it's in front of you. And that was a unique thing too about, about touring. It's, you know, you get the catering menu and it's like, Hey, here's, here's some of the things that I would get. And then, you know, you have the typical, like there's always the, you know, the, the muffins and there's always the donuts and there's always the kind of like the sweets or the desserts at the, you know, at the end of you know, every meal, whatever, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you guys know what I'm saying. Um, but what's, what's kind of funny about that is every time that I was in the room, everyone had like an excuse or like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to eat it because the, the, the trainer is in here. 
So it's, it's not that you're like, you, you know, it's not good for you and, or, you know, it's not optimal. There are better decisions to make, but it's also, if it's readily there, your likelihood of eating it is greater. If someone had to go out of their way to say, okay, now I have to leave. And it happened a lot with, with the bus drivers. The bus drivers would always come to me and be like, Hey, here's, here's what my diet is. I just, you know, I'm just an overweight guy. That's just, this is what happens. I just eat salads. And I'm like, you, you have a soda. There's a Coca-Cola that's in your cup holder right now. That's not I'm like, Oh yeah, well that's, I mean, that's just a drink, right? It's not food. I'm like, oh, okay. And then, you know, you see them in catering and they're eating all the desserts and they're eating that stuff. And, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be the asshole. It's like, if I was there to work with them and, and specifically, you know, I, I would dive into it. But a lot of times they're like, Hey, what's a better option? I'll give them some advice. And then you move on from there. Because I think people, you know, want to, people want to eat healthier. People want to have that like in their brain when they're like, Oh, I just eat salads. It's like, if you ate a salad today, that's in your head. That's all I did. But if that then led to you eating four desserts, two Coca-Colas, and then a bunch of snacks while you're on the road. And then it's like, well, I have to eat these so I don't get tired. And you're like, all right, well, now you're, now you're in a little bit of a different world than what you were explaining to me because is, as much as I want to say, this isn't the case. If you don't exercise, so you're, you know, the amount of calories you're burning is lower than the amount of calories you're consuming you're going to gain weight. And there's a bunch of different ways that happens. There's a bunch of different foods you can eat to slow it down, to speed it up. But when your activity level then goes above the amount of calories you're intaking, you will lose weight. And I think sometimes helping people get there is, is a difficult challenge, but especially when people want to be healthier, want to eat healthier, let you know, it's like, Hey, I'm not completely off the rails because then they're almost in denial themselves. Like, oh, I had a salad today. So because of that, I'm going to eat this chocolate cake or, or whatever the desserts were. And you're like, hey, it's not, it's not a one meal game. Even it's not, and I know EC says this too, it's not like a one day game either. It's like, look at the total amount. And this may be easier for some people. Look at the total amount of calories that you consumed in a week. Try to control that factor. And then the ideal amount of how many calories you're burning. If you can do that, you might have better insight on whether you deserved or earned that cheat meal or not. And then if that's, you know, effective for you, then maybe you can go with a month. So you're not having these constant like, oh, I did this well, so now I get to reward myself with this. Because we've already gone down like how I feel about like, you know, bullshit rewards for things that aren't significant. There's some, there's some stories that are, are probably better left untold. But if we want to keep it kind of fitness related, drinking on tour. I've been, you know, I've been lucky, fortunate enough to, to not have a lot of drinks on tour because the artists are like, Hey, I either don't drink or I don't want to drink on tour or to be healthy. But, you know, there's some, there's some interesting times when, you know, I told the story about how, when you wake up and there's, you know, chips or stuff that's all over, there was one specific time where the artist was not on the bus. And so, you know, sometimes, uh, for instance, this was like coming from Atlanta. Dylan had a video shoot in Atlanta that he stayed when they did the uh, Young Gravy Tea Paints on Hot Tub. So the bus left to get to Texas. So everyone who was on the kind of like production in that left. And then some of the other people stayed back to stay with Dylan. And on one of the, one of the trips, 
<clears throat> we came out of the like the bunk room into the main alleyway, and one of the guys was so hammered the night before that he fell asleep, but he had his his pants undone, and was literally in the front lounge, just like completely naked with his dick in his hand. Especially when it's not like a a common thing happening on the tour, and it's like hey, like you know wake the guy up. It's like, what's happening on there? And I would imagine if it was kind of like the old school, like the, the Motley crew days where like, that was like the typical stuff happening where you'd be like, Oh, you know, just another, just another time. But from that, that person was like, I can't drink the rest of the tour. I can't be like an absolute idiot. It's like, yeah, cause you are on someone else's time and you're not a band member. You know, you're not like the, you're not the one providing the product. It's like, yeah, it's cool to be on tour. But at the same time, like you have a job and a responsibility. And if now that is being jeopardized because of this, it's like, you know, so it is that balance about like who can hang and who can't. Because I don't know guys as well that it's like, hey, it's it's the day off today. So you're ready to, you know, rock and roll and you know your responsibilities for tomorrow and you're able to enjoy that. It's like that's kind of the cool part of it too. You know, maybe that's like the the lure of of touring is kind of having that like rock star life and mentality. But, you know, it's always got to be the job first. And it's a job first for the artists as well. I mean, they're the ones putting on the show, but I think they have the most you know, leeway to, to be able to, you know, cut loose a little bit. Oh, that was an interesting one. That picture made its rounds. And, um, yeah, that, and I don't know if that guy's ever drank since then, but yeah, probably not the best idea when you're not the, the headliner on tour. You'd probably get away with it if you're, you know, if you're the drummer for the band, but, um, groupies, it's always interesting to me to see, you know, it's like people want, people always wanted to like be on the tour bus or like partying on the tour bus. And, you know, there were a couple of times where people would like knock on the bus. And there's, there was a time in Austin, Texas, where this um, older woman, very attractive, knocked on the door. And our team is smart enough to just have like, like on the windshield that says like AV bus. And, and I, I opened the door and this woman's like, Hey, can we come on and party? And I was like, we're not partying. She's like, come on. Like, I'm like, no, this is the AV bus. She's like, well, I know the AV bus has the best drugs. And I was like, lady, like you got to get a hold of yourself over here. Meanwhile, it's like, just like eight dudes playing like video games or pe- playing, uh, was it quiplash? That was a game that we played where you like, you had the screen and everyone would, like vote from their phones. That was really fun. Played that in a couple of venues too, but it was just like, oh, I know. And it's like, no, like nothing is going on on here. It's like, I've been on plenty of these buses. I've been on more buses than you. I'm like, you're probably right, but this isn't the one you're going to look at. And then I turned, I'd be like, oh, we don't wonder what's going on on the bus behind ours. And I look and the, the door to that bus was just completely open. It was like Young Gravy's tour bus. Like the door was just completely open. There was like a line of people like waiting outside and everyone was like hanging out and partying over there. And just like the contrast of it about being like, like Dylan was just all about business and gravy was, I mean, he performed every single night. He did his job and his, his crew like wanted to hang out and they wanted to hang out with fans and all of that. And it was like, just the difference of it was funny. But I remember that one. And she was like, you're really not going to let me on this bus. I'm like, yeah, no, I, one, I'm not allowed to. And two, no, I, they, it's not, that's not really what we're doing. Like people would just like throw themselves out there to be in that situation Maybe I'm, maybe I'm sounding like condescending in this. I remember initially when I had the first opportunity to like go backstage at a show at a concert, it was like the coolest thing ever. And I had my past and I kept my past. It was just a, not a laminate, but one of the uh, little sticky passes. And it was like, this is so cool. 
But really, once you're back there, the you don't have a very good view of the stage. The sound isn't very good. There's really nothing going on. I mean, once like the show gets started, people are just kind of sitting around, hanging around there. But it starts to get almost a little bit boring. So it's like, if that's what you're wondering, I would much rather during that, you know, people are like, oh, you're so like lucky to be on this tour. And it was like, well, you're here enjoying yourself. Like technically it's work. And granted, I don't want to like complain, like it's a, it's a really good time. But it would be an even better time if I was there with a bunch of my friends sitting like front and center, watching a stage, enjoying the concert. I was like, you know, the tour part is, is cool. It's fun. I think it's more fun when you get along with the artist and you get along with the crew. You know, the last couple of ones that, that I've done, I've known people that were, you know, on the tour and like getting a chance to hang out and going to see and view stuff in different cities is, is awesome. And it's fun. You know, Hey, we're going to DC. We're going to go on a run towards like where like the original white house was and, and like, like fun stuff like that. We're going to go rock climbing when we come here, we're going to go do an escape room. It's like those, those are like the fun, like, Hey, we're, we're a tight knit group here. But you know, the goal of a trainer on the road is not to live that party lifestyle. And I'm grateful that the people I've worked with, um, you know, don't want to go down that road. I've also, I've also been on tours where it's not just about, Hey, no one is, is drinking on here. I've been on tours with artists who have wanted to have a couple of drinks. And I've always said before, what I usually do, and not every time, but if an artist wants to have a couple of drinks and I'm invited, I will participate. And the reason why is that I've, I've not done that where I've been invited to go out and I'm like, no, I'm just going to get some rest. I go to sleep. Artists get back late. We wake up in the morning. Hey, it's time to train. You know, I like knock, like there's a door on the rack. This is usually just like a roll up or roll down or a little curtain. And it's like, oh, we, we were out late last night. We were partying, you know, not going to train until later. And then sometimes the training doesn't happen. But if I go out with the artist and I have a couple of drinks or they have like a house party after a show and we have some drinks and then it's like, um, this one was, was, was kind of fun when I was on tour with, um, with Lauv. Uh, his, so his name is Ari and he had some people over after his show at the Greek theater. So sold out the Greek theater in LA. Amazing performance. It was raining. Not a single person left. It was like, it was a really, really cool experience. And afterwards, um, he was like, I'm having some people over at my house. He asked me if I'd like to come. I was like, yeah, sure. It wasn't like, hey, we're going to be raging or partying. But he had some friends. It was super nice of him to invite me. And so we went over there and just hung out, caught up. I went back to my hotel room. And the next day, his tour manager messaged me, Stu. And he's like, hey, have you talked with Ari today? And I said, no, but we're training at, uh, it was like 10 or 11, whatever, 10. No, but we're training at 10. He's like, yeah, just confirm with him. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. We confirmed last night when we were at the house being like, hey, if we're staying up late, we're training at 10 tomorrow, right? And I was like, yep, good to go. And Stu was like, ah, yeah, you should still check in with him. And I'm like, I don't want to give him the option of it being like, we're not training. And so he didn't say anything. And you know, I got an Uber and I'm, and I'm going up to his house. And he was waiting outside. And he was like, I was like, obviously wanted to train. But at the same point in time, if you didn't show up, I would have kind of been excited because it was a later night. And then, but it was like, Hey, this is what we agreed upon the night before. So whatever happens, we got to make sure that happens. And, and I think again, one of two ways, one, it holds the accountability of we're going to train every day. And the second piece is that when you know that you may make a better decision, whether it is, Hey, we're going to go to the next spot at 
1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., whatever, or I'm going to have a drink or I'm not going to when you know, all right, well, this, you know, this, you know, dickhead trainer of mine is going to make sure that I work out in the morning. So maybe I make a better decision. But that was a fun one too. That, that tour with Lav was great because a lot of the time we spent near his home in LA. So we had shows kind of in like Midwest and then in like Colorado, moved our way out to California. It was like off day LA, off day San Diego, off day Berkeley. So we were kind of back and forth. So it wasn't necessarily as much time on the tour bus, but it was still really unique in that we were training at his house. We were training at the hotel, which had a really cool gym. Oh, another, another, uh, tour bus tale. We were going from San Diego to Phoenix, Arizona. So I played the show in San Diego, got everything packed up 2am bus call. We get on the road. You know, you, the best sleep of my life is on a bus. The bus is vibrating. Everything is good. You just, and then we're stopped and it's like, all right, you know, kind of time to wake up and we're on the side of a highway. And I remember hearing the bus like stop at certain points in times and, and turn back on. But in this time, I guess the bus was overheating. So there was a tube that was broken where like the coolant wasn't getting through. So the bus kept overheating. And so it was like, we need to get the artist to the venue. And we're in Yuma, Arizona. So we're in the middle of the desert, not on an off ramp, just like on the side of the road. And so the service isn't very good. And we're with Nayara and the Nayara's boyfriend, who's kind of the reason why I was on tour with, with Lav in the first place, Anthony. Um, we're all there. And like the other band members as well, there's, you know, whatever, one, two, three, four, seven of us on the bus. And it was like, well, we got to get to Phoenix. So we call an Uber. There's no Uber black. There's no cars or anything. So the only option is an Uber X. And it was, God, I want to say it was like, like, two hours, two plus hours from where we were at in Yuma to get to Phoenix. And this like, like Honda Civic is the only one that's available. It's like, it's 30 minutes away. So you select it and it was like, you know, whatever, a couple hundred dollars. And the guy pulls up and it's like, <clears throat> in my car, it was myself in the front seat. And then Anthony, Nayara, and I think either the guitarist or drummer from the band. And I almost want to say there was like another person that like, we were like four tight wedged in the back and on a two hour Uber X to have to get to Phoenix on time to make sure we were there to play the show. But as you're driving, you know, you're like still trying to sleep in the car and everyone's all uptight. You know, like those, those are kind of like the fun. Those are like the fun memories about what happens. It's another thing I was just talking about is I want like a, you know, I want a camper. I want a trailer to, to drive around the world or drive around, you know, the U S and, and do that. But even these like brand new tour buses, every single one needed like daily maintenance. You know, you're driving and everything's vibrating and moving around. It's like every stop we had, the bus drivers were having their tools out or cranking down on all sorts of parts. It's like every time the tour bus broke down, this one's having issues. The AC is broken on this one. The water doesn't work. It was like, you know, these mobile homes, as much as they're, you know, unbelievably expensive and really convenient, every time there was, you know, somewhat issues. It may have also been because some of the tours I've done have been at midnight, have been, uh, you know, or not midnight, in the winter. So there's like certain things you can or can't do. It's like when you get to a, a spot, you can 
a lot of times that front lounge area will open up, give you a little bit more room, but they wouldn't do it if it was below freezing because it might not be able to come back in. So just you know, stuff you don't think of, but yeah, that, that Uber ride to, to Arizona was not enjoyable, but definitely an experience. And then, you know, we get there and, you know, everything's going along. We trained, we actually did a yoga class that day. I uh, FaceTimed in uh, Coastal Yogi, Sarah Mangelson, and she took us all through a yoga class. And before we would even have needed, you know, anything else, the bus got there, they got the part and it was fixed and they came up and it was like, man, that would have been really nice to finish the last leg of that on a bus as opposed to wedging an Uber X. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, there's some fun stories. There's probably more. Maybe uh, maybe if this podcast gets really big, maybe if you guys all want to like like and subscribe or do whatever you have to, then maybe we can do like an, like an unedited or a, uh, what do they call it? Unfiltered. unfiltered. That's the word I was looking for. An unfiltered episode. But as of now, if I do that, then I'm probably not going to be invited on any tours anymore. So um, speaking of, there's times when I cannot go on every tour. And it's, it's really unique with Big Night Fitness and all the really cool stuff we have going on here. And sure, I would love to, but it just doesn't work out that way. And if you are listening to this or you think, hey, being a tour trainer is something that I want to do. I'm able to travel for weeks or months at a time. I can write up programs. I can kind of follow this template. If that's something that you're interested in, please reach out. I have a, you know, I have a kind of a pool of trainers that I trust and that I'm, you know, uh, that are readily available for me to send out. But, you know, the more that we can have, the better. And the more that the name Big Night Fitness gets into, you know, the celebrity training aspect of it with everything we have going on at Big Night, you know, the easier and the more that stuff's going to happen. So if that, if dealing with those stories is something where you're like, hey, that sounds like a pretty good time and you'd want to do it, please reach out. I'd love to, um, you know, love to set you up with, with something like that if it becomes available. And outside of that, that's all I got for you guys today. Um, if there's any like side stories, maybe I'll post some stuff on Instagram or, or stories that come up. Or if you have a story with me uh, regarding some things that happened, um, and we can talk about like the bunk monster, um, which maybe we'll save that. Yeah, we'll save the bunk monster for the next episode. But uh, I always appreciate you guys tuning um, in, listening in. Uh, if there's any other topics that you want to hear, you guys can uh, shout us out either in the comments here on YouTube or um, if you are listening on Spotify or Apple Music, go to bignightfitness.com and you can you know catch up with us over there. We have another Instagram called Big Night Training and that's where the new gym over in Charlestown, that's where we're kind of growing things uh, for content about actual training rather than just the in-person classes we're doing at our nightclub locations is our actual gym in Charlestown. So we've got some good content, some good stuff out there, but always appreciate you guys listening and, uh, and we will see you next week. 